You're listening to Radigan's Rockcast, a series focused on talking about music from the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and even current. Now, here's your host, Tom Radigan. What's going on, guys? Welcome to Radigan's Rockcast. Whether you are listening to this on YouTube, Spotify, Amazon, King Anchor, uh, Castos, uh, WMYO. I, I, did I mention WMYO? Okay, wherever you were on, I am glad you were on. Woo, okay. Wanted to get that out of the way. Wanted to do that as the fastest I could. Okay. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, welcome. So for today's edition of this podcast, I am going to be going over Daryl Hall and John Oates. And the way we're going to do this is I'm go- I decided that I created a playlist talking about Daryl Hall and John Oates. So you might know them better as Hall and Oates. They were a big duo in the 70s and 80s and all that. And, you know, some people, like, will always kind of, you know, undermine them and think of them as, like, you know, more of, like, an 80s pop duo group and all that stuff. And that that, that clearly is not um, who they were. And, uh, you know, people who said this, like, my friends have said this, including even my mom has said this, that, like, she, cause she always thought of them as, like, an 80s group. And, you know, when I started listening to them in middle school and all that sense, when I heard the song Rich Girl, that came out in the 70s, and other big hits were in the 70s, and I was like, you know, they were they were more than, you know, they were not really just an 80s group. They, you know, they started in the 70s and had actually, you know, uh, you know, and they weren't like these, like, you know, because, you know, the 80s is known in the period of rock as like kind of like, it was almost going through an identification crisis, you know, like kind of that, you know, uh, you know, it was, it was, it, that, that's basically what it was going through in a sense, uh, you know, like trying to like figure out, you know, uh, you know, with the rise of hip hop, you know, with, pop, rock, hair metal, and all that. And there were these, you know, uh, corny pop songs and pop groups and all that stuff. But, you know, Hall & Oates really wasn't so much that. And, you know, we'll talk about later on of, like, you know, kind of, like, their what they were doing in the 80s that was similar to that sound. But they really had some big hits in the 70s and, were de- and I think are definitely underrated uh, for definitely their uh, their Philly soul sound, their rock uh, sound, and also, too, just, you know, how great of a soul singer uh, Daryl Hall was. And, you know, just even their harmonies together were also something that uh, really should be, uh, you, know, uh, you know, taken into account, honestly. And uh, so why don't we begin and... Um, talk about what's on my playlist it's on amazon music um i made it public so you can find it just uh type up daryl hall and john oates and i called it that was because you know even though everybody knows them as hall and oates they always saw themselves as two separate musicians that just made music together and you know it was more of like the media it was an easy way for the media to you know say their names and all that sense instead of just saying they're both full names, you know, and considering that that as like a band or a duo and all that. It's almost like a Mandela effect in a sense because when you look on their albums, it's Daryl Hall and John Oates uh, and all that. So, you know, um, yeah, it's almost like, for instance, the Eagles, you know, they actually are just Eagles, not with the, but everybody calls them the Eagles. So, yeah, like a little bit of a Mandela effect there. So the playlist starts with their uh, on their uh, second album, which was Abandoned Luncheonette, which is with the, the song that was their first, you know, hit uh, that it, it took a while for it to be a hit, but it was uh, She's Gone. And yeah. This is the best way to start the playlist because this is probably one of my favorite Hall & Oates songs. Uh, you know, it's just, oh, God. I mean, 
you can tell it's about heartbreak and you know uh it's a real one of those heartbreak songs and you know the the melody helps capture that tone uh the the tone in both uh Daryl Hall and John Oates uh style in that sense and, and like how they're singing it. And what I love about this song too is because even though Daryl Hall was known as like mostly the lead singer, this song is both there, like they both uh do a good job at like, you know, sharing this song. And it works so well. And I you know, I talked about this in a YouTube video uh about a few months ago where I talked about how in high school uh Hall and Oates inspired me. And what I was referring to was that when I was because, you know, in eleventh and twelfth grade I was studying a film, I wanted to become a filmmaker, uh, and all that. And I was, you know, um, you know, all, like trying to create some ideas, you know, for anything, like a PSA, a commercial or a short film, or even and also to a music video. And I wrote this music video, um, like, like, I was listening to the song She's Gone a lot, and, you know, I, I wasn't a huge Hollow Notes fan at the time, but I, I knew their stuff, like, I liked Rich Girl, I liked, you know, of course She's Gone, uh, and, you know, I ended up listening to them a little bit more, and I ended up listening to She's Gone over and over again, and I just saw this mental movie in my head, and I had to write it down, and I, you know, I wrote it at my grandparents' house. I was uh, 17 when I wrote it. Uh, and, you know, it was something that, you know, was just so, like, it, it came out so naturally. And it was just like, this was like, you know, it was all in my head and I just needed to bring it down on paper. And, you know, sadly, the music video never got made. Uh, if Hall & Oates actually wants them to make this music video, then DM me, because that would be cool. Um, but, yeah, no, no, no. Um, but hopefully, maybe one day it can be made. If, you know, like, if they ever did, you know, even if Hall & Oates actually, like, themselves wanted to see it, you know, or wanted to, you know, see it made, or a music video for that song. Because, you know, in the 70s, too, you know, there weren't as many, you know, because it, was, it wasn't really until the 80s where music videos were becoming a common thing, you know? In the 70s, you started seeing it kind of uh, picking up in a place, like with some promotional videos and all that sense. So it was starting to become a thing. I mean, um, there's not really a music video per se for that, but I remember when I was looking up stuff, there was this one video, which would be considered music... I guess a music video that kind of captures the tone of the song, but just it's very corny and just you know, low budget. It probably was on the TV special, but like it was it was weird because I never came across it before, and all of a sudden it was just like one of like you know you have to keep searching, 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 and then it was there, and it's Daryl Hall, yeah, Daryl Hall and John Oates just sitting on like a chair, you know, looking depressed after a bad breakup or something, and you know they're just you know. They're just sitting there with the whole song. Almost like the time when the Beach Boys were on American Bandstand just lip-syncing to Don't Worry Baby, you know? And, you know, they're just sitting there. And then when the line, she's gone, I paid a devil to replace her, just, you know, a guy in a Satan mask comes up, and that's it. Like, he just runs out of the shot whenever that line comes on in the chorus. <laughs> it was just so weird, and, you know, I just, I didn't understand it. But, uh, you know, like, when I saw that, and I never saw it again, I only really saw it one time, so I don't even know if it's still um, a video that is on YouTube anymore. But, uh, yeah, no, uh, that, you know, that definitely, uh, I definitely remember that. Uh, but, um, 
my but my recommendation is for when you listen to this song is listen to the five minute version and not the three minute uh version that was for the radio and all that because it cuts out so much it cuts out most of i think the second the first of her like uh half of the first verse and you know uh misses that uh wonderful you know like new york uh east coast saxophone style solo and all that um so yeah and then of course you know how the song just ends which is great which i love is you know like where they keep going like cheese gone cheese gone cheese it's just it's so great how how daryl hall and john will just keep going back with that line it's just it just it makes the song even more interesting and more like oh yeah 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 okay so Coming at number two on the playlist um, is uh, Sarah Smiles. And this was on their 1975 self-debut album. I mean, not the debut, their self-titled album. Uh, and uh, yeah, no. So this song was about uh, actually uh, a person that, uh, you know, was important in their life who became a songwriting partner, which was uh, Sarah Allen. And uh, she was uh, Daryl Hall and John Oates' uh, co-writing songwriting partner. And yeah, and they worked on uh, stuff together, which was really interesting. Uh, and, uh, you know, like they had a lot of stuff. And they also worked with her sister, too, uh, which was, uh, yeah. And no, so it, it, it's just a beautiful love song. Uh, and, uh, you know, oh God, I mean, it's it just, it, it works pretty well, too. It's got that slow, you know, it's very much of that, uh, you know, what do you call it? Uh, you know, like, you could definitely feel that, like, 70s love tension in it, uh, you know, very, you know, just a really good, um, type of, you know, like, the guitar song, like, it just... Yeah, I, 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 I can't even say more more than that. But it's it's really, really great. Uh, like, really something uh, to, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Jana, Jana Allen. I wanted to, like, I, I, it was either Gina or Jana Allen uh, and all that. And, uh, yeah, they worked with uh, Daryl Hall and John Oates as Sunrise collab uh, collaborators. And, yeah, he wrote that uh, Daryl Hall wrote that song about uh, her and all that stuff, uh, Sarah Allen. And, uh you know, it's just a sweet song, and something to mention about uh, this album uh, was that uh, the guy who designed the album, he worked on other stuff in the glam rock area, uh, designing the Ziggy, Dar uh, Ziggy uh, Stardust, uh, you know, outfit or something like that for David Bowie, and, you know, he, um, whatchamacallit, uh, so I remember watching this documentary where apparently John Oates was saying how the photographer said to them that he wanted to do an album cover and he wanted to immortalize. He said, I will immortalize you. And he did. And that, when you look at the album cover, it's, they're immortalized, all right. Like, it's, you know, and it got to the conception in the media when they saw that of, like, people thought, like, oh, they were gay, they were, you know, they were living together, they were, and all that stuff, and it brought out all these rumors, and it's funny, because my mom actually even thought that they were gay, my mom thought, weren't they a gay couple, I'm like, no, I don't think so, and, you know, I could see why maybe she thought that or something like that, because probably so many people see the album cover, and when I see the album cover, I'm like, oh, that's probably why people think they're gay, because <laughs> I remember I came across Sarah's mom, I said, see this cover, and it's just like, whoa, 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 okay, that, that, that's something there, um, Daryl Holly even joke that uh like the way he is in the cover is the girl that he always wanted to date <laughs> uh yeah and uh 
yeah, around this time too, um, the guy who ended up managing them was a really like unknown, really guy at first. He was a you know kind of a gopher named uh, Tommy Matola, who ended up becoming one of the most powerful guys in the music industry, marrying uh, and managing Mariah Carey as well, and all that. Um, so yeah, and um, but yeah, no. So this album came out in '75, and. Um, this was like the lead single off that, and you know it's definitely a, a catchy song and all that, uh, and works and and you know it's definitely got uh, Daryl Hall's uh, soul uh, voice in it really. Uh, so coming at uh, number three, we've got Rich Girl, which is pretty much what introduced me to Hall Notes. I knew that song as a kid, but didn't really know it was them until like I was like thirteen or fourteen, and uh, you know. Uh, you know, like, when I listen to it, it's just like, oh, yeah, this is just a really good, you know, like, and it's got really, like, a good soul, a little bit of funk, you know, and all that stuff, and, uh, you know, like Sarah Smiles, Daryl Hall sings another great tune, uh, you know, and all that, and it was the song that really got them even more successful, and it was the song Rich Girl that made them rich guys, you know, in a sense, <laughs> um, that's the joke with that song and all that, because uh, it's just, it's such a, Oh, it, it, it's such a class. It's such a classic. I mean, you have you have to listen to, uh, not just you know his voice, but the production on it. Just it just works pretty well. And this is it came out in '76 uh, uh, and all that, and uh, it works. You, you know, it's just it, it's like you know when people say that Daryl Hall and John Oates were just a poppy '80s group. Look up Rich Girl, and then come back and talk to me about that. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, okay, so then, uh, coming at, we, we, we take a little bit of a time gap, and we go and we're talking about their, uh, vo their album, Voices, which came out in 1980. I think it was, was it 80? Oh, yeah, yeah, 80. And, uh, yeah, and it has song, and has songs like Kiss on My List, and that's the song we're talking about next. So, Kiss on My List, um, is another, you know, really great, um, you know, this is, you know, they recorded this album around 79, 80 and all that, and, um, yeah, so we still have that 70s era of Hollow Notes with us still with this album, even though it came out in 1980, I, I, I feel that away with a lot of artists that were big in the 70s, they, whoever, even though it was a new decade, 1980, they still had that 70s sound and all that stuff that, you know, we loved and all that stuff, so it still's got that, you know, great Hollow Notes production on it, um, you know, uh, Kiss, Kiss on My List is just a fun, catchy song, but, uh, you know, a powerful beat, uh, you know, uh, good harmonies, and, you know, another, you know, another great Daryl Hall, uh, vocal, you know, and all that, uh, and then, of course, uh, coming at number five, we've got You Make My Dreams Come True, and this is a song you hear on probably, like, every commercial and all that, and this is a song that's just very, like, that, like, it's got, like, this big, like, almost, like, kind of, like, a synthesizer kind of you know you can tell we're entering the 80s when you hear the beat of it like the bump 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 yeah and then it, yeah and, and then when he goes like like and then when it stops and then Daryl Hall just starts uh you know uh sitting away it's like a definitely good song to like I I run to this song honestly when I'm when I'm running it's a song that like you can like kind of you have a happy face on when you, you listen to it um you know the music video of course is a little uh you know not you know it's still when you know they were trying to figure out what music videos were and what they could do with this type of you know promotion and all that and all they're doing is really just like because it's a very jumpy song they're just jumping around like that's all they're doing like they're just jumping around like in you know in place you know like they're just like you know popping out of the camera and they're like you make my dreams come true 
<laughs> yeah, though, but um, yeah, no, so so we have that. Uh, and then uh, coming at uh, number six, we've got, of course, it came on their album with the same name, Private Eyes. Private Eyes. They're watching you. They see your every move. Okay, so I have a little personal story with this song. So apparently my mom told me that I hated this song as a child. That um, I would freak out whenever this song came on, and my grandpa would say it's probably it was probably because of the lyrics. So, about a few years, so about two years ago, uh, when my grandfather died, um, you know, in all that sense, you know, so like, yeah, well, this is more about a year ago. Well, my grandfather passed away two years ago, and um, you know, I was, um, you know, in my room looking for. Uh, things and all that stuff and I couldn't find um, you know my keys and you know I was just like you know alright not, not get too upset and all that sense I'm looking around I'm looking for about an hour and I stop like I'm looking close to like an hour and I stop I end up doing something else and then I go back looking over then all of a sudden I see they're on this one little you know this part of the shelf right here like on the desk like wherever a desk is like they're on the corner of the desk like like the small, you know, because it's like my desk had like two com compartments and all that stuff. So it's on the bottom right of it. And I take it out, and all of a sudden I hear music on my phone playing. And it's private eyes. And I told my mom this, and I was thinking it was just so funny. It's like it's like a sign from, you know, uh, you know, the spirits and all and stuff of like grandpa and all this. And my mom was like, even brought more, uh, you know, and thought it was so weird. And because she, you know, pointed out that the lyrics are private eyes, they're watching you. And it's like, oh my God, I didn't even think of that. And it, it was the cre craziest thing, honestly, because it, it was like, I never, it, it was the strangest thing that I, I witnessed in all that sense and I just I kind of was you know I was flabbergasted I just I did not know I just did not I, I just couldn't believe I witnessed that or you know uh, noticed that you know so an interesting moment but uh, this song uh, like has been joked as like too much of a stalker song and it definitely has that in the lines but that doesn't take it away from it being a catchy tune however it has too much of a sim but like like Kiss on My List and You Make My Dreams Come True, it kind of sounds like the same song, you know, in a sense, as those two as those two other tracks. Not to make it not to say that it doesn't have catchy lyrics or anything, but when I hear it, like when I listen to the beat or when I'm even trying to remember it now, I keep thinking of the Kiss on My List melody or even You Make My Dreams Come True. And when I listen to it on when it comes up on the radio, um, you know, I have to figure out what it, what it is uh, for a little while, and then I'm like, oh. It's private eyes, and even like now when I'm hearing the lyrics in my head, I'm like, is am I thinking of the lyrics from Private Eyes, or am I thinking of the lyrics from uh, Kiss on My List, or or You Make My Dreams Come True? Um, it's it's got more of like You Make My Dreams Come True, even though it's got it feels like it's got a little bit of that same melody. It's more I think similar I'd say to Kiss on My List in a sense, but um, yeah, another great track, and of course the uh, self titled you know album and all that's you know it was on it was on that you know self titled you know. It, like, like as that too it's the you know the song on that you know when I say self-titled what am I thinking I, I can't speak today self-titled like you know when the artist is named it after the album the song title of the album you know I, I, I don't know um, you know but uh, yeah yeah though no, so uh, okay now we're moving on to one of my other favorite songs of theirs 
uh, which is I Can't Go For That. And this is where I believe that 1981 for the group, well, for the duo, was probably their best year that had a lot of great hits, and probably their last year of their prime uh, 70s, you know, that rock era, um, and all that. Um, and I Can't Go For That is an interesting beat, because it's just, you know, I mean, it's definitely got that 80s sound, but, like, I love the bass line, the bum 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 And I think there was, um, they talked about in an interview once that, um, you know, like, it's like that Michael Jackson stole the riff when he did Billie Jean and all that. Or that's at least the one that came in inspiring. And apparently that was the base they used. Apparently they did sample that apparently from what I've heard. Uh, there's sources of that. I don't I don't know for, for sure if that was true. Of uh, it's possible and all that. Um, but yeah, it, because, well, Billie Jean came out in 82 and this was in 81. So, but, um, you know, the, this song is very interesting. You know, it's, it's a definitely different melody than their other stuff. It's very much of like... A soft, it's like a mixture of like soft rock and you know, uh, you know, fast rock. Like, I think it's like called like you know, like I think they call it like blue eyed soul or something like that, um, you know, and all that. So, like, which is like kind of like a, a softer term of rock, you know, kind of like more just softer stuff. So, it's definitely got that, but um, you know, um, it works pretty well. Um, you know, even though it's has a soft tune, it definitely goes somewhere in the song. It definitely is like a song that you can, you know, just listen to and just, you know, here and just you know even zone out to because i remember like um i've listened to like i've listened to the song when i um was commuting to uh when i go to school and, and work one and i would uh, have to drive on the uh the uh the long island expressway and when i drive to it like when i kept passing near like the holiday inn and all that and uh you know i'm just for some reason when this song comes on it's like it's such a great feeling. It's so weird, because it's such a little feeling, but whenever I hear this song, when I'm on the expressway, it's like, oh, yeah. This is a cool, like, for some reason, it's just a cool song to hear on the expressway. Like, I just I just love that, you know? Like, starting your morning with Hollow Notes, you know? Uh, yeah. And then we've got their song, Man Eater, which was uh, recorded in 81, but then on their album, uh, which was, I think... Was it also man? Was it also man eater? I think or like H two? Yeah, I think it's. Uh, oh yeah, it was H two O, and that that that's that's what had a man eater on it, and that was like the lead single, and uh, yeah yeah, and you know just the you know of course, when you hear it in in the lyrics, it's like oh here she comes, she's a man eater. <laughs> yeah no, but uh yeah yeah no so um two other songs uh that I decided to include on this is because we're now getting more into uh they're more you know when people talk about them as like oh like a corny eighties pop group and all this stuff this is where these are these next two songs that you know kind of are in those categories and that is uh say it isn't so and out of touch and um you know i i like these songs they're not like the songs i listen to the most from them but when i listen but out of all the other uh songs from them in the 80s um you know like adult education or did in a minute uh these are the ones that kind of uh stand out um to me um you know out of touch has that like kind of that good chorus on sense but you know the production on it is a little you know too is too much you know that that was the problem with 80s uh production it was like they focused heavily on synthesizer which you can tell on both of those songs has that and it's just it's even more yeah it's more of that just manufactured sound that everybody was doing that just was like was not cool you know just it didn't sound 
cool in that sense. And these are th- these songs work okay. I mean, like, Sadism So is a little bit more of a, you know, trying to go still with that Philly soul route, but still having that corniness, uh, you know, 80s pop drive to it as well. Um, you know, it's, it's a song, like, I mean, they wouldn't be on my playlist if I didn't think they were good songs and all that. But, um, yeah, no, they're not, like, they're not, like, they don't stand out completely, but, um, you know, uh, yeah, like, I thought, like, that they should at least be on it and all that, you know, like, uh, even though, like, yeah, like, they're not, like, yeah, like, like I said, even though they're not, like, my favorite, you know, they would still be considered, I would still consider them a good, uh, tune in a sense, um, so that, those songs, uh, end that part of the playlist because the playlist really was to focus more on original songs by uh, Daryl Hall and John Oates. Uh, and I have uh, bonus tracks, which are either live versions or cover songs. And um, so to have the bonus track at, uh, as the 11th song, uh, you've lost that love and feeling. That, that we go back to voices for that. And that is the version of the Righteous Brothers uh, song. And, um, you know, um, they do... They, they do a good job at, at um, you know, updating it, uh, you know, basically um, 16 years later and all that. Um, and, you know, it, it works pretty well. I mean, um, you know, as a as a cover and all that, um, you know, and, and it's pretty good. I mean, um, I can't tell if I like that version better than the original. I mean, I think they're both good in two different ways. I think they bring more of a... They brought more of a, a version of what was going on. Like, they brought more of that 70s, 80s style to it, uh, which worked well. And I liked it because, um, you know, not a lot of songs on this list have just a duet with both Daryl Hall and John Oates. Because a lot of these songs have just uh, Daryl Hall and lead vocals. Um, and um, so this is one song that uh, shows both of, the, of their vocal range. Because John Oates also did definitely have, I feel like, you know, a solid voice and all that. And so, coming at number 12, unfortunately, this couldn't make the Amazon Music Playlist because it is not on, um, you know, uh, you can't find it anywhere, a uh, record in all that sense. But, I, like, I had to, I could not not, I, I couldn't not talk about it, you know? I've loved this performance of this song, and it's a live version of She's Gone on, yeah, 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 yeah in 1976, on uh, it was the uh, old gray whistle test, and it's that that performance. And like I said, the studio version is great too. But you've got to listen to that live version and and the nineteen seventy six one. Google it on YouTube. When you hear it, it just it brings more of an element that you can't get in the studio. Um, you know, and it shows too. Like when you hear John Oates singing, it's like. Why didn't he sing more on it? Because he he sounds a little bit more like kind of like he, he it's not like he's going all at it in in the studio version, but in the live version, I mean, he's just like you know winning it, and you know uh, the way and the chemistry between them when you see them perform it, you know, you know you can feel the chemistry even in in that song. I mean, I feel you feel that more than in you've lost that love and feeling, which was sort of my problem with that song. You know, it was a little bit more tame. You know, but uh, you know, uh, with yeah, but like you know, you can totally feel like the chemistry and the the camaraderie between the two. You know, all it sounds like as performers and all that. You know, and um, you know. Uh, 
Yeah, and it worked um, for, uh, you know, the live performance, uh, you know, and they just do, they do such a great job on it. Uh, and then, of course, you know how I told you how I love how they end, like, the, uh, you know, when they go, like, she's gone, she's gone. They even do a better job live with it uh, that way. And it's like, you have to see that uh, that performance. Uh, it just, it works pretty well. It's great. And... That wraps up my playlist talking about Hall and Oates. Uh, what are your favorite Hall and Oates songs? I would like to know. Uh, comment below. Uh, you know, uh, what Hall and Oates song did I uh, not include that you might uh, enjoy? Uh, let me know uh, in the comments, uh, you know, and all that. And uh, you, or DM me, or um, just. Please don't call me about this, especially after midnight. Um, you know, but uh, yeah, 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 no. Um, and I will see you guys later. Bye.